Chapter Nine of the Riddle Ring by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine. Mr. Whaley as Recruiting Sergeant. Jim looked up at the clock in the courtyard and saw that it was just eleven. Mr. Whaley's eyes followed Jim's glance. Mr. Whaley, in another second, gave Jim a nudge with his elbow. See. Mr. Whaley murmured, "'Here comes our man, just up to time. He always is.' And Jim saw Marmaduke Coffin entering the courtyard. Coffin was dressed neatly, wore a light overcoat, looked quite a gentlemanly sort of man. He was dressed in English fashion rather than in French. "'Hello!' Mr. Whaley called to him. "'Come this way!' Coffin had been glancing round the courtyard to look for his friends, or rather for his host. He seemed a little surprised on seeing Mr. Whaley with Jim, but his surprise found no expression in words, and after one glance not more expression in looks. "'Glad to see you, Mr. Coffin,' Jim said. Unconsciously Jim seemed to have made up his mind that Mr. Coffin was demanded by the neat dress and the tall hat. "'Not kept you late, I hope?' Mr. Coffin asked, with a quite jaunty sort of air. "'Mr. Whaley, I am so glad to see you.' "'Have a drink, Coffin,' said Jim, forgetting for the moment the tall hat and the neat get-up. "'Thank you, Mr. Conrad. Some brandy, please, and the siphon. And a cigar, if you don't mind.' These delicacies were all forthcoming. Then Whaley began what might be considered serious talk. "'Look here, Coffin,' he said. "'I'm going to London tomorrow morning by the first train.' "'Thought you would,' said Coffin. "'How the devil did you know?' Whaley asked, with an emphasis that somewhat astonished Jim Conrad. "'Didn't know. Didn't say I knew. Said I thought so.' "'Why did he think so?' "'How can a man know why he thinks anything? Come now.' "'I think he has you there,' Jim said, not wanting to be mixed up in any manner of disputation, and rather anxious to be rid as soon as possible of both these English worthies. "'How can anybody know why he thinks anything? I'm sure I don't know half my time.' "'No, that's right enough,' Mr. Whaley answered somewhat more blandly. "'But I fancied, Coffin, that you had some reason for what you said.' "'No reason at all, Mr. Whaley. I seldom wait for reasons.' "'Well, anyhow, I'm going over tomorrow to London.' "'Yes. Well, what to do there?' "'To meet the chief.' "'Quite so.' Mr. Coffin's face expressed no manner of emotion. "'Yes, he is in London.' "'Gentlemen,' Jim blandly interposed, "'I'm afraid I am rather in the way. "'I am sure you want to talk over some business affairs, "'about which, of course, I know nothing. "'Now, if you don't mind, I shall just go to my room "'and scratch off a letter or two, "'and then we can all three settle down to a quiet smoke.' "'Jim was, in truth, beginning to be a little puzzled "'about his companions and the kind of work they might be having in hand. "'The days of the highway robber were clearly over.' and the mysterious community described in Paul de Kock's moustache, who thrived on making unlicensed spirits, would hardly now take much for their money. And coining would not be a safe and paying speculation. 
and financial swindles were not generally managed by an inner circle of three, one being a hairdresser. And in short, Jim could make nothing of it. All the same, he still thought it decidedly interesting, and was not anxious to lose more of it than he becomingly could. "'Don't you go, Mr. Conrad,' Whaley said impressively. "'Don't you think of going unless you really want to?' "'We ain't talking any treason here. "'We ain't making any plans against the rule of Queen Victoria, God bless her. "'And here's her jolly good health.' "'And he tossed off another glass of cognac and water. "'Nor yet, I give you my word, against the Republican government of France, "'which now kindly protects us here and receives us as its guests, "'at our own expense, of course. "'Good Lord, I remember the rattling days of the Second Empire. "'What a time we had then!' "'And I told you, Mr. Conrad, I was in the swim of it.' "'Yes, you told me,' said Conrad. "'It must have been awfully interesting.' "'It was, I tell you. "'But I am sure I am keeping you from your business talk all the same,' Jim said blandly. "'And so I shall leave you together, shall I say, for half an hour. "'There will be time enough after.' "'Now, look here, Mr. Conrad.' Whaley said, "'I shall speak right out with you. I want everything on the square. The first time I set eyes on you, here in this hotel, I took a liking to you. Here, in this very courtyard where we are now sitting, and Coffin with us. I mean Coffin with us now, of course. He wasn't with us then, that first time.' Mr. Coffin solemnly bent his head in admission of the fact of an absence which he regretted. "'When I saw you that first time, I said in my own mind, "'Now that's a real man, an Englishman, blood, bone and breeding. "'Then, when I heard that you were one of the Conrads of the North Country, "'why, man alive, I know all about them. "'I was brought up, I may say, in the very shadow of their ancestral halls, "'and my chief knows all about them too. "'And I know a lot about you, Mr. Conrad.' "'and I know that you are a little down on your luck, as a man might say. "'I mean that you ain't likely to succeed to a great big fortune.' "'Mr. Whaley,' Conrad interrupted somewhat sternly, "'I have not met you here tonight to discuss my private affairs. "'I can't help your knowing about me what everybody can learn who takes the trouble to inquire, "'but I don't mean to discuss my family history or my personal condition with any stranger.' however well-intentioned he may be. Jim rose to his feet. No offence, Mr. Conrad, no offence, the imperturbable Whaley pleaded. I didn't mean any harm. I give you my sacred word of honour. You see, my people were only a sort of adherents or vassals, so to speak, of the Northumbrian Conrads in old days, and I talked with the perhaps privileged freedom of the old retainer, "'Sit down again, and let us have it quietly out.' Jim had his weaknesses. One of them was an intense pride in his old Northumbrian family. Mr. Whaley had touched that cord of weakness when he ascribed his rash talk to the privileged freedom of an old retainer. So Jim sat down again. Jim never liked being out of temper. Some men delight in it. It annoyed him. "'Well, Mr. Whaley,' he asked. What do you want to say to me? It's just this. I think you are a sort of lad who ought to be put in the way of making a fortune, and I dare say the chief could put you in that way just now. 
"'I should be very glad indeed to make a fortune,' Jim said. "'Few people could want it more. "'But I should first like to know how the fortune was to be made, "'and who the men are with whom I am to make it.' "'Right you are!' Mr. Whaley exclaimed. "'Just the very answer I should have expected from a Northumbrian Conrad. "'Well, I can't tell you tonight what's up, for I don't know until I see the chief.' "'But you must know what your line of enterprise generally is.' "'Oh, yes, I can tell you all about that.' "'What is it? Banks, railways, ship canals, evening newspapers, theatres, music halls, that sort of thing?' "'Mr. Conrad, we have souls above that sort of thing. "'We are—bend down your ear, please. "'There may be all sorts of listeners at these little tables here. "'We are explorers.' "'Explorers?' Jim asked in amazement, "'and now at last beginning to doubt the sanity of his companion. "'Mr. Coffin sat with an aspect of undisturbed and impenetrable gloom.' "'Explorers, yes, that's it,' Mr. Whaley said, nodding ever so many times, and beaming over with the kindliest smiles, as if he had now put everyone at his ease, and disclosed a welcome secret. "'Stanley, Emin Pasha, Burton, that sort of thing?' Conrad asked in perplexity. "'I don't see great fortunes in that.' "'Oh, no, I don't mean that. "'We don't care tuppence about the sources of the Nile "'any more than we care for watching the transit of Venus. "'We find out new soil where money is to be made. "'Oil here, wheat there, ivory somewhere else, gold, copper, anything you please. "'Oyster beds, even. "'And we get up an international wrangle about it, don't you know? "'And then we try to make the best bargain we can for our rights.' "'But we always give old England the best chance. "'Don't make any mistake about that. "'Yes, we do. "'But if we have found out a thing, "'we have a right to be paid for our find. "'Only fair that, ain't it?' "'But I haven't heard much of your operations,' "'observed the bewildered Conrad. "'We only make the beginnings, don't you see? "'And we don't care to obtrude our own names on the public. "'Other people are only too glad to get all the credit when they have bought us out. "'The real competitors are the Americans and the Germans and lately the French. "'But the Americans are the most eager of all, I can tell you. "'And they are not by any means bad hands at a bargain.' "'Does Mr. Coffin do much exploring?' Jim asked, "'with a wondering glance at that silent and melancholy person.' "'Well, he explores in his own way and in his own field, "'but he don't waste his health and strength much in tropical climates. "'There's a lot of information to be picked up among the English and the Americans "'who come here to Paris in the season, or out of the season, I should say, "'out of the Paris season. "'Mr. Coffin, I tell you, got a good deal of his education "'as I did under the Second Empire.' "'But I thought you told me you had been in Paris only about twenty years?' Jim asked, turning to Coffin. "'Only twenty years for good or evil,' Mr. Coffin grimly observed. "'But I was in Paris off and on before that time, and I served the Second Empire a good deal in London.' "'In what capacity, may I ask?' "'In the capacity of observer.' "'among the French refugee population in London. 
Leicester Square quarter, mostly. Observer, is not that rather a fine and a long word for it? Mr. Coffin looked up, looked down, thought for a moment, and said, with a curious twinkle in his eye, Spy, you mean? Yes, I did mean something like that. Wrong, Mr. Coffin calmly said. Quite wrong, Mr. Whaley triumphantly declared. Britain, sir, never, never, never can be slaves or spies. All the same, I don't quite understand. Jim put in. Did you make any reports to the Prefect of Police here in Paris? Not one, Coffin answered, wholly unperturbed. But you must have communicated the results of your observation, let us call it, to somebody in Paris. Mr. Whaley smiled a benignant smile. Why, certainly, he interjected in a suddenly assumed American accent. Yes? Coffin answered, without showing in his voice the slightest trace of any manner of embarrassment. I reported to the chief. To Mr. Whaley's chief? To Mr. Whaley's chief. Who was certainly not the prefect of police? Certainly not. You may bet your bonnet strings on that, Mr. Whaley interposed blandly. Well, gentlemen, Jim said, he was beginning to be impatient. I have not the least idea what or whom you are talking about, or what the exploring business is that you are concerned in, or who the chief is, or who anybody is, or who either of you two may happen to be. And I don't see how I could possibly help you in your exploring expeditions, seeing that I am not an explorer. At least I have never been so far in my life. Half a moment, Mr. Conrad, Whaley interposed placing his right thumb halfway up the first joint of his right forefinger, as if to indicate the exact division of time to be allotted to him. Half a moment, Mr. Conrad, sir. We don't want to press you into any service for which you might feel yourself disinclined from the first. But I think we could find you good work to do, and make good use of you. I don't want to be made use of, Conrad interposed, somewhat in a sharpened tone. Half a moment, Mr. Conrad, sir, and the right forefinger repeated the same gesture with the right thumb. Half a moment. Will you just wait a bit until I have seen the chief and am in a position to tell you what we are going to be asked to do? I don't know myself just yet, not the least in the world. I have only heard from the chief that he has got some good, strong thing in hand, and until I see him and talk with him I shan't know any more. You are not staying long here, I suppose? May I call to see you in London? You have my address, Conrad said, rather sullenly. Yes, I have your address, but you might not care to see me all the same. You have worked yourself, I can see, into a wrong notion about our enterprises, and I want you to get the right ideas. Fancy my letting a Conrad of Northumberland into anything unworthy of his family and their fame. Whaley stood up and there was a certain moisture in his eyes, and there was a tremble in his voice. Conrad was in many ways a tender-hearted youth, and was inclined to believe in the sincerity of people. And once again the allusion to the Conrad family touched him. "'Come to see me whenever you like,' he said hurriedly. "'I don't know how soon I shall be in London, 
but my return can't be many days off. Come and see me by all means, and now let us have our smoke out and talk of something else. Mr. Coffin can tell us something about life in Paris. I know nothing about what is called life in Paris, Mr. Coffin solemnly remarked. I never go in for amusing myself. Oh, by Jove, I do, Mr. Whaley declared emphatically. When Jim went to his room that night, he found that a little note had been left for him. It only said, I shall be alone at two tomorrow, and shall be glad to see you. Clelia Vine End of chapter 9